2: Good morning and welcome to Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. I'm Nancy Allspot-Jackson.
1: I'm Shannon Penrod, thrilled to be here with my friend. Good to be here with you. Good to see you. You're you're looking all like... I don't know, edgy and... Edgy? And, well, and, and sort of earth mother and edgy right. at the same okay. time. So I, I, I love this. You got, she's, thank you. Uh, nobody can put an outfit together better than Nancy. Oh, thank uh, you, And I've Shannon. always said she's like a Barbie. You could put anything on you and you look fabulous. Thank but you, this, my dear. But you do. You, you, you put things together well. Uh, so we're excited that we're here this morning. Yes. Uh, we've got a lot of news to cover. And then uh, we're going to have the wonderful Karen Nolte back. We've been having research people on the show now for almost a year. Uh-huh. (laughs) Caso... Because, you know, Nancy and I, and even today, we're going to talk about some news stories. And, and what we, I don't, I don't want to speak for you. What I know about research and research methods, while it's grown over the years, I'm, I'm stumbling over words for things and going, ah. Right, right. And, what's, and I always go, what's the takeaway? Uh-huh. Like, how does, because it seems like to me you get a study and you want to know what's the context and you want to know what's the takeaway and what does this mean long term? Uh, you know, and a lot of times I don't have the context right, right. So, Karen's wonderful. She's part of the research team here at the Center for Autism and Related Disorders, and she's got some big stuff that she's going to talk with and us she about. she can explain it all. Yes, and she's also very good at explaining it in lay terms. I uh-huh. love that, when people don't bury me in more jargon, and she's pretty wonderful about that. So, But first we wanted to start with uh, some news. Uh, not all of it fabulous, uh, actually. Uh, but we've got a family in Boca Raton, Florida, that's speaking out saying that a school district police officer unfairly invoked the Baker Act. Which I had never heard of the Baker Act. I I had never heard of this before either, but uh, it meant that they could take her child away, child on the autism spectrum, away from school in handcuffs. And they took him to the hospital, Uh, where he was
2: then strip searched.
1: And this poor mom, uh, who didn't find out about this until I guess he was already at the hospital uh-huh, is the uh-huh. thing, and she, her, she's quoted as saying, I was absolutely frantic, I was out of my mind, I left my work, I ran there, I told him, I, I, don't take him anywhere, I'll be there in 10 minutes. Um, but this child is traumatized. Yeah, and, he's, and he's not gone back be? to school. Who wouldn't be? Right. Um, and this really points up for me, you know, when. When people talk about, well, uh, you know, what, what is a person supposed to do? I think that anybody who has had any training would know that this is not it. Right. Right? right. I mean, maybe there's a thousand other things that could have been done, but if you'd had even five minutes of training in autism, this would not be the thing that you would do. No. So it points up for me, why are we not getting more training? And it's training for everyone. It's training for everybody at the school. It's training for the people that run the lunch line. It's training for the people in the office at the school. It's training for the special needs bus driver. It's training for the police officers. I get it when you think that somebody is going to be a harm to themselves or other people, That that brings up all kinds of other things in police officers testosterone, male or female. I'm not trying to be sexist here, but it does. It like you know, there's that flight or uh, fight or flight Uh thing that comes up for them about, oh, I've got to protect everyone. But when we're talking about a child um, and a child on the autism spectrum, you know, yeah, he's 11 years old. A little bit of training, yeah. A little bit of training. So this is the
2: second time, the, the attorney said that it's the second time in two weeks that a family of an autistic child has come to him seeking justice It's uh, from yeah. the school.
1: Well, I, I just... I don't know, like we, we have lots of friends who are working on this in lots of different directions. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Emily Island is working on it from the police standpoint. We've actually had another, a dad, who uh, is an ex-police officer. He's trying to work right. on training the police. Um, you know, we we have friends who are trying to work on educating schools and to get uh, IDA, uh, IDEA fully funded so that there would be you know, more funding for training teachers and, and that nature. I mean. You know, we're all trying to work on it. I just would say to parents, um, if your child, you know, our children are close to graduating from their school situations, but we've slogged it out with schools. Have right. we not, yes. sister friend? <laughs> like where we had to go in and go, uh, no, 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 you don't have in place what you need to have in place. Look, I am not blaming it on this mom, not at all. This should not be happening. But I'm saying to all the moms that this and dads that this has not happened to yet. Get in there. Work with your school. Make sure that they all know how to behave when your child is having a problem. Right. Um, because stuff happens, and it's and and when we leave it to people to decide for themselves about how to react, they react. Sixty-eight kinds of inappropriate. This poor child in handcuffs, eleven-year-old stripped. What on what on earth? Uh, is wrong with people uh, we're sending out our love to this little man and hoping that he can find his way through oh, this. this horrible yeah horrible 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 uh, okay now in happier news uh, there's a new study that was published last Wednesday uh, uh, in science robotics where researchers are reporting that robots might be as effective uh, in helping our kids with the autism spectrum as maybe therapists. Yeah. Therapists, yeah. Um, and you know we've been talking about this for a long time because therapy is so expensive, right. And you have to have people, and there aren't enough people. There aren't enough trained people. And we want for there to be more ways that this can be done outside of therapy. We want parents to learn how to do it so that they can do it. But how amazing if we have robots and if they can really be effective. I think the fear is always that the robot is, like, if our kids are already struggling with social uh, issues, then being taught by a robot is not really going to feed those. But the yeah, are they going to
2: seems... be, become robotic yeah. because of that? And the study seems to suggest
1: that that isn't something right. that we should necessarily be worried about. No,
2: the the study they analyzed audio and video recordings collected through robots that were tested in the homes of seven children with ASD, and the computer model was ninety percent accurate in recognizing when to provide the children with information and feedback about a task.
1: And if you think about this, I think this is the biggest. Mistake that we as parents make once our children start ABA that they'll start out ABA and we see the the therapist Prompting our kids and and saying you know uh, You know do this or you know like try that or or whatever we see them being prompted and So we go. Oh, well that must be what works And then we start prompting and more often than not parents over prompt We do not pay attention to watch the therapist as they fade their prompts. We just don't like we just go that works, so I'm just going to keep pushing that button and prompting the kid. And often we overprompt. So I love that the robot is able to figure out when to prompt and when not to prompt. Because we all, I don't, I know for me, I I'm learning still to not prompt all the time. Do you feel that way? Too yeah, as a I parent? do. I feel like um, I'm overprompt. I think it's I think it's every parent. I think that we we all do. And and knowing that nuance of fading the prompt. Let them have three seconds here to figure it out Mm -hmm. to see if they do it, but not waiting 30 seconds to prompt them. It's uh, it's a very nuanced thing, but the robot seems to be able to do it. Um, I also love more and more people are working on games Mm -hmm. and VR games Mm -hmm. for our kids for them to be able to learn a wide variety of things. We've had people here um, on the show from Card Research talking about they created an app to be able to help um, kids to practice walking across the street safely rather than one of the things that they said was, you know, we, we, we have to... We want to teach safety but we don't have as many opportunities as we like because we go down to the street and what I want to do is if I had perfect world I would order up I need a car coming from this direction but not from this direction and now next I'd like to have one coming from this direction then I'd like to have two coming across you know, or, or a car going faster than it should be so that I could teach all these different scenarios but they go down to the street and there's no cars. right? Or there's 85 cars, but they're, you know, and they can't separate it out and have one. So they're able to teach in the VR Uh and order up the scenario that they need and the kid feels like they're there, but we're also not putting the kid at risk. So it just gives them that many more opportunities. I love that uh, they reference here that previous research by the same group found that children who played math games saw an improvement in reasoning, long-term retention of learning, and social skills from learning math from the (laughs) road. Robot. It's Pretty amazing. It is pretty amazing. I think it's uh, pretty incredible. So, uh, if you want to know more about that, you can go to www.statnews.com. All right, and then so our
2: our we, let's talk about this show. Everything's yes. going to be okay. You were there last night. Yes, we were tweeting. We, we
1: participated in their tweet a bond. And you've seen the uh, show, the obviously. I love this show. I got to see the show way back last fall uh-huh. because it was going to be playing at Aught fest and I was the moderator for the panel right. um, for this show and a, and a short film. Well, tell and us
2: a little bit about the plot, Shannon. Okay.
1: So uh, the plot centers around a young man who is from Australia and, and it's played by Josh Thomas, who is the writer creator of the show. Okay. He is an Australian comedian um, who is very edgy right he is a very edgy young man okay and uh so the storyline is is that his dad left his mom in Australia when he was young. So he barely knows his dad. He's met his dad a couple of times okay. because his dad went to Los Angeles where he started a relationship, married another woman and had kids with her. Okay. So this young man was living in Australia with his wife, or with his, excuse me, his mother um, but he comes, the dad in Los Angeles has said, please come and visit. I'd like for you to see your half sisters because they're getting older and he does have two half sisters. They're both in high school. Uh-huh. One of them is on the autism spectrum okay she is played by a young woman who's on the autism spectrum great so uh, beautifully by the way so he comes to visit um gets into a relationship with a young man who's learning to be a dentist okay this is a gay young man by the way josh Thomas's character um and so there's that whole storyline uh about this him falling in love with this other young man and and what their relationship is like. But you've got the two sisters, and in the, we learn in the first episode that dad is dying. Okay. And he doesn't know who will take care of the two girls. Okay. And he wanted to have his son there to have this discussion about who will take care of it. And he says i'm gonna do it oh great he is considered a very irresponsible young man who is not entirely capable of taking care of himself how old is he now so he's probably 30. okay and um but he's not good at adulting Uh uh-huh and you know and, and the show the thing about the show is you know how most shows you watch and it's like somebody will introduce in one episode well you know i'm sick Well, then in the next episode we find out the test results and then, you know, another episode they start chemo and another, you know, and in season three they die. This is not how this show goes. Stuff moves fast. So the father passes away quickly. Oh, he's gone. (laughs) You know, and that's how everything in this show is. They bring something up and it happens that episode, it's right there. It's it's fast moving, and it does not shrink from anything. So there was an yeah. article today, the
2: article about um, the
1: girl with Ooh. autism
2: having sex for the first yeah.
1: time and that, well, I sat there and I was like, oh my gosh I can't believe this is happening and last week uh, on the show we had uh, one of the young women because there's a bunch of characters on the show um, the the character who is on the autism spectrum she has her group of friends and they are all actors who are on the autism spectrum playing, at, playing these roles of these teenagers on the spectrum so, um, you know I couldn't help I got so nervous watching the scene because here we—I know I've met this young woman. She's on the spectrum, and you know she is talking about having sex, and then they start to have sex. And I was like, oh my gosh, how did they deal with this on the set? And and what was this like? And what were the considerations? And um, the the young actress that was here with us last week kind of broke it down because she's the consultant on set and broke it all down for us about how much respect there was and how how slow they moved and how everybody got to say what what they wanted, what they didn't want. And that every, you know, she said it was just very, her character even had to participate in a kiss. And a, a kiss and a hug and an embrace. And, and she was talking about that. And, uh, but... Let me just tell you, if you were looking for something to be, like, mamby-pamby about it, oh, no, 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 no. It's right out they there. They go there. And one of the things that I said when I was there last fall, I said, you know, it's it's a little shocking. I just, I got to be honest with you, it's a little shocking. And, like, characters say things and you go, did they just say that? <laughs> and things happen and you go, oh, are they going to do that right now? And, and it's crazy because... It's, you know, it's very clear from minute one that he's like, you know, he's gay and he is not going to mamby-pamby about that. And they're going to talk about things that do not get talked about on television. Right. Um, And I I was like, oh, okay, we're going to go there. You know, we're taking, everybody's on the gay community bus, we're going to go there. And then here comes the autism bus and he just goes there there is no shrinking away from it it gets discussed you know how a lot of shows it'll be like uh well so and so doesn't have a formal diagnosis and they kind of you know pass over it oh no 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 there are times when he will turn to her and he'll go okay so is this an autism thing help me to understand what's happening like they are right there um and and some of the things that happen with autism, it's it's right there. Then, you know, he so I'm like, oh, it's it's you know, the gay bus is going, the autism bus is going, and then he brings the Me Too bus in, and then he brings in the interracial bus. They go there in this show. I I think it's amazing. I know that a lot of people it will curl their hair and they'll go, ah, but you should watch it. And it's, we get this on free form. Freeform. Um, but we were going to talk about this article. The Guardian um, just the other day came out with an article uh, about this show. And the title of it is Autism, Sex, and Consent. Everything's going to be okay. Breaks ground with a story that rings true. Um, and, you know, I think it's worthwhile to watch. Uh, I gotta be honest that I have not. Jem has been so busy because he's had so many things going on that we have not sat and watched it as a family yet, but I intend to have him watch it. Uh, absolutely. And I think he will think it's hilarious. It's very funny. But it's all. I, I don't think I've watched an episode yet that I haven't laughed and cried. Uh-huh. Uh huh. In fact, I know that to be true. It's very emotional and it's very honest. Um, and you just. I kind of just want like want to know all of them, right? You right, know the characters. Right, right. I've I've met all the actors and they're really lovely people. But it's it's so. Uh, I think that Josh Thomas is a genius. I'm, I'm just going to say that he's a, a very sweet guy too. But I do think he's sort of a, a, an evil comic genius uh-huh. because he makes you laugh really hard uh, about something and and then like you're just laughing hysterically and then he takes that left turn and you you get your mind worked out um and it's very emotional i mean even when he he's in the car with his dad in the first episode and uh you know he's like so are we going to talk about this and the dad's like let's go get uh, frozen custard and there's a whole thing about that where you just it's you know, because you've been through stuff in your life. In the midst of total tragedy, there's some very funny things yes. that happen. Very funny things that happen. I mean, Chekhov uh, always used to say that, you know, the, the, the difference between laughing and crying is one second. Right, right. And um, phew, it's really good, you guys. Okay, really, so we'll all really have good. to check it out. And I think that, you know, the aut- I would love to see the autism community supporting it because, uh-huh. um, you know, I, I think that Josh Thomas... Could have, he was pitching shows here in the United States, and he, he he did not need to include a character on the autism spectrum, but it became very important to him to do that. And then, is there a personal connection to autism that he has? Do you no, know? Uh, but there is now. Right. I mean, he said he said I've been seeing all these things, and and that he had this germ of a story idea, and he so he was like I really I don't think people are talking about this in the way that I wish that they were, mm-hmm. and and he and. But then he allowed himself to be educated, and he went forward and made sure that he had actors and actresses that were on the spectrum, that he has people on staff, that all of the actors have said that on set it is the most open conversation about what's happening for everyone so that everyone's comfortable, um, and that they've all been kind of amazed by it, and what an amazing work opportunity it has been Mm -hmm. for them. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it really sets a tone, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. For everybody who is going to be ha- more and more, We're like, you know, how many shows are there this season that have characters that are with on autism, the autism that are played by actors with autism? Yeah, I mean, and remember a couple of years ago when that had not been done? Right. And then all of a sudden, you know, Kobe Bird went in and did The Good Doctor, and I feel like the floodgate opened. And and of course, Kobe was there with us last night. Um, for, he's now on Locking Key, which if you haven't watched Lock and Key, Oh my goodness! Netflix, you got to watch that. And he plays uh, Rufus, Rufus, and and wonderfully so. He will break your heart. He is so delightful in it. Um, but you know, all these barriers have been broken down now. It's funny. I think that if they were to do the Good Doctor now, that I, you know, and everybody loves Freddie Highmore, right, nobody wants right. to see him go away. But I think if they did it now. They would be talking about having that character played by somebody on the spectrum. Yeah. And, and in just four years, that's kind of amazing. Yeah, yeah, it is. Amazing. It's new, new barriers being broken every day. Yeah, so read in The Guardian Autism, Sex, and Consent, Everything's gonna be okay, breaks ground with a story that rings true. Uh, yeah, but man, it, it's not all packaged up for you nice and neat. Don't expect that. But be expected to be taken on a ride, and and I think I I think it's an important show. There was a there was a guy in the audience um, when we did the the, the talk back who started a, a, a gentleman who uh, started to cry. He said, "Thank you for making this show because I feel like." Um, you've opened up a door for us to have more conversations. He was on things. the spectrum. No, I think he has a daughter who's on the oh, spectrum. Okay. But, um, but he was like, I just feel like everybody got included. And I think that's how I feel about it. I'm like, oh, every, everybody, going, everybody going on those buses together. Right, right. And let's go on a journey with Josh Thomas, who is crazy funny and the ideas in his head. Woo! Anyway, there we go. Hilarious. So we're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back with the fabulous Karen Nolte. Don't go talk about some (laughs) new research. Stick with us. Very cool. Welcome back. And we're back. (laughs) Uh, Just talking about the fabulous Christina Adams. But we're we're here right now, and we've got a wonderful guest that we've had on the show before, a Mm semi-regular. Karen Nolte is joining us via Skype. And Karen, tell them a little bit about what you, because you hold more than one hat at Card. What do you do (laughs) at Card?
0: Definitely. I serve as the uh, research and development manager, so I run research projects, I support our clinicians at CARD in learning more about research and uh, learning about strategies that have been done in research to help support their clients. Uh, I also have clients of my own and I supervise their ABA programs.
1: Wonderful. And so you join us every once in a while. We have somebody from the research team joining us on a regular basis to talk about current research that might be of interest to our viewers and I think today's topic certainly should be of interest. What are we talking about?
0: So today I wanted to share with you the research on outcomes of ABA. So it's a pretty broad category of research but specifically I wanted to talk about how strong of an outcome you can expect with ABA, um, what the dosage is recommended in terms of the research. So that's, that's a lot to get into but I've got a lot of studies to share with you. Great, all right, take it away. Okay, so there have been a lot of studies assessing the outcomes of Applied Behavior Analysis, ABA, um, for our individuals with autism. So I'm not gonna be able to discuss all of them, there are too many, but I'm gonna highlight the major points in the research and talk about some key studies. So, before I get into that, I want to define a couple terms. Um, There are a lot of terms in ABA. Um, So, first of all, I want to talk about that our ABA programs can be considered either comprehensive or focused. So, comprehensive programs are those that teach skills across developmental areas. So, this can include language, social, independent living or adaptive skills, which include things like dressing and toileting. Um, Motor skills, so that includes fine motor and gross motor. Uh, play and challenging behaviors. So, a comprehensive program will typically target skills across all or most of those areas. So, in contrast, a focused program targets focused areas. This is one of those terms that actually makes sense. (laughs) So, for example, maybe one individual's program is focused just on play and social skills, and maybe another individual focuses on challenging behaviors within their program. So another term that some of your listeners may have heard of is EIBI, and this stands for Early Intensive Behavior Intervention. Um, so this is kind of a subset of ABA, um, but there are several key features of this type of ABA program. And the first couple are in its name, so it kind of makes sense. Um, so the first thing is early. It's delivered early, um, typically as soon as a child receives a diagnosis, um, ideally in the preschool years. Um, It's also intensive, meaning uh, it's 25 to 40 hours a week, which is a lot for a little kid, Um, but we've got a lot of research that I'll get into to show the support for why we want that many hours um, for our kiddos. It's also grounded in behavioral techniques. Um, There's some other features of EIBI that aren't in the name. It's comprehensive, so that's the term I mentioned earlier, uh, indicating that skills targeted across domains within the program. It's individualized for that individual child. Um, It's supervised by a trained professional. Treatment goals are guided by knowledge of child development, it starts in terms of being provided one-on-one and then can fade to a group format. And this last one is really important. Parents and caregivers are really actively involved. Um, so those are just a couple of terms that I thought would be helpful before I get into some of this research. Okay, great. Thank Wonderful. you. Um, So, among the research on ABA more broadly, EIBI has the strongest research base, which is why I wanted to spend some time defining it. So, in terms of the guidance and the number of hours that we should provide for our kiddos with autism, the strongest guidance is within this EIBI subset. Um, So, the first study in this area that I want to talk about was conducted in 1987 by Dr. Ivar Lovas. and he was one of the first to show that ABA techniques could be used with children with autism to lead to great outcomes. So in his study, he provided one group of children with autism with this EIBI intervention, and they received 40 hours a week of one-on-one therapy for two years, at least two years the control group did not receive this treatment and instead received the regular services a child would receive at their age, maybe school, things like that. So after two years of the study, 47% of the treatment group had achieved average IQ scores. This was an amazing accomplishment for them. And and that same 47% were in regular classes in school without any support. Um, In contrast, only 2% of the control group received those outcomes. So this was the first study to show this. It was really exciting, but a lot of people were skeptical. There was only one study, um, but since then his research has been replicated many times. Um, however, not all the studies achieved the outcomes that Lovas saw, but all of them did see significant improvements for the kids. So to help us make sense of of studies, when there's lots of studies conducted on a given topic, researchers sometimes conduct a study of studies. um, And they're called reviews, where we look at all the research out there on a given topic uh, to get a clear picture of what the takeaway is or or what the summary is of that body of research. So there have actually been many even reviews conducted in the area of EIBI, but I'll highlight one that was conducted in 2010 by Vera Zortega. He analyzed 26 studies that assessed the outcomes of those EIBI programs and found that children who were in the treatment group receiving the EIBI services had strong improvements in terms of their IQ scores and communication skills improving, and they also had some moderate improvements in terms of their daily living skills and social skills improving. Um, So it was really exciting to see all of these reviews uh, show really strong support for EIBI, which is 25 to 40 hours a week of ABA services for our kids. Well that's pretty exciting. Yeah so I want to move on to talk about school a little bit. I know a concern many parents have especially when their kids are young is school. Shouldn't my child be in school? Um, Well researchers studied this. In 2014 Howard and colleagues reported on a study where they compared outcomes for three different groups of children. So one group received that EIBI, that ABA instruction, in multiple settings. That was done in school, in home, in the community, um, for an average of 35 to 40 hours a week. The second group attended a class specifically designed for kids with autism for 25 to 30 hours a week. So it was pretty similar in terms of the number of hours and it was a program specifically for autism. Um, The third group attended a general education, general special education classroom, um, about 15 to 17 hours a week. So it was a little less in terms of the intensity um but what they found, regardless of the location here, they found that the children in the EIBI group had significantly higher scores after one year treatment than both of the other groups. So even though the kids in the EIBI group were receiving similar hours to the kids in that autism classroom, the kids receiving that ABA in the EIBI group did significantly better. And those six kids were not in school. Um, they were part the services were partly in school, partly in the community, and partly in the home. So I don't know the breakdown for each individual kid, but some of it was done in school. But they had therapists with them in school working with them one on one. Correct. Okay. It was not just the child in the classroom on their own. Okay, great. Yeah. And sixty one percent of the kids in the EIBI group had average IQ scores, which is which is huge. That's amazing. Um, so this and other studies really show that what matters more than the setting is that ABA and or EIBI is provided. So our kids can receive services in school if you know EIBI is done, if ABA is done in that setting. Now, Karen, maybe maybe this is outside the
1: question here, but I think a lot of times people are confused about what ABA is going to look like in the school setting. If it's that mm. they have an aide and the aide is ABA
0: trained, we're counting that as ABA. Yes, that is ABA. EIBI is a little bit more focused than that. So EIBI is is you know, focused on specific skills, focused not just on academics, which may be part of it, but also focused on language skills and social skills. So in order to be really considered EIBI, that aid is not just helping the kid in the classroom, but that aid is helping the child use their language more, talk to their peers, play with their peers, engage socially, raise their hand to, you know, ask the teacher a question, those types of things.
1: Okay, Uh, all right, so
0: uh, is it me,
1: I mean, like, uh, we've been dipped in this for so long, right. and obviously we felt very strongly when our kids were little and diagnosed that we needed ABA, Yeah, um, and we fought for and got pretty comprehensive programs as early as we were able to, which, you know, I mean, that's always a problem about, right. like, how exactly. early can somebody get it? But so all of this just, for me, corroborates what I have always known and been told Um, But for for parents who are watching who are new to this, I imagine that, like, I feel like we sort of lost that story along the way that we forgot about telling people, oh, by the way, science is what shows that this is what's effective. But that's really what, what all of this boils down to. Am I right, Karen?
0: Definitely. There is not just one study, but there are many, many, many studies that are replicating the same thing and telling us over and over our kids need intensive ABA early on. Yeah. But
1: schools are
0: really doing a wonderful job,
1: I have to say, of saying to parents, oh, no... I've heard parents all the time, they go, oh, no, your child is so high functioning, they don't need that. Just bring them to school. Or, no, your child is so severe, ABA won't do anything, just bring them to school. And school gives this wonderful, they go, if you think about what the deficits are for autism, it's deficits in language and it's deficits in in social skills. And if your child is just sitting with a therapist doing one-to-one, that they're not going to address those two things, you should bring them to school where they're working on social things and will work on language with them because we have a uh, a speech and language pathologist and the parents don't know. No, of course not. and you get the speech and language pathologist for, you know, two half, half hours sessions. Two half-hours a week. Right? Um, where your child gets taken out of the social situation right. to go to that. And parents are always left with this, like, well, I don't? did I miss a bus somewhere? Did I miss the train to get on? And they don't know. But school really does a good job of selling it to them that they don't need early intensive behavioral intervention. It makes me mad. I don't know if you can tell oh, no. me, uh, <laughs> but, but clearly this is showing that if you really, what I just heard you say, Karen, tell me, I always count on you to be my check, but if you really believe the school and say, okay, I feel like school is the best place for my child, and for some kids it is, but that early on they should be there with an ABA-trained therapist. Yes?
0: Yes, definitely. And the next study I was going to talk about actually highlights that exact combination. Um so, I'll jump into that if you like. Okay, want. great. Yes, Go ahead. Please. Sure. So, um, you know, not only talking about school, but you know, sometimes our kids get diagnosed a little bit later. Um, not all of our kids get diagnosed in the preschool years, so there were some researchers in 2007, Ika and his colleagues assessed outcomes for kids who started treatment a little later, between four and seven years of age, and they implemented this treatment in the school setting. So, one group received that EIBI for about 28 hours a week in that, in that classroom, and the other group received um, special education support for 29 hours a week in that classroom setting. And after treatment, even though both had the same number of hours, both were in school, the EIBI group again had higher scores in terms of IQ and adaptive skills, and those scores maintained when the kids were older as well. Um, so if, if the parents really want the kids in school, it's, it's so important that EIBI and ABA of some sort be done in that setting
2: yeah well that's good that's encouraging news that the kids that were a little bit older still had the positive outcome
1: right right but all the more reason for parents to go to their ieps participate in their ieps bring a tape recorder with you and ask for free appropriate public education and say here is a study showing that my child will do better if there is a, a therapist that's there and that we're we're using the principles of ABA, now parents are always confused about how to do. So you say this and you go, so here is the thing, and you know, and here is the research. So I've showed you what I've asked you for what I think is appropriate. Now you tell me what you think is appropriate, and please show me studies that show that the increase. And that's where you got them because there aren't, right, Karen? I mean, like, do you know any? Sure. I don't know any. Um, no. You know, that show, and listen, people will go, well, we don't have the responsibility to provide the best, that's true. You have the responsibility to provide uh, provide what's appropriate, but you can look up appropriate in the dictionary and find that at least in one dictionary, because I did this, it says effective appropriate is effective. And if I'm showing you a way that's effective that has research behind it, please return the favor and show me the research that shows that your way is effective. That's how you get an aid.
2: But many times the schools say they will provide their own
1: aid. But you have to ask them, can you show Mm -hmm. me the research that shows that that is effective? Mm -hmm. That your aid is appropriately trained? Because remember, and you just keep trotting the word appropriate out. (laughs) Show me where your aid is appropriately trained and that you have research to show that your aid is appropriately trained. They, they They don't have an argument for it, Nancy, because there isn't one.
2: Well, they feel that their aids are appropriately trained.
1: But do they have the research to show it? That's where we have them. Right. So where can we get this study, Karen, so that people can take it with them to the IEP?
0: I can um, post it somewhere for you. I don't know if you have uh, links on your website. I could definitely send the link to
1: you. We can definitely share the link on our Facebook underneath this page. Underneath this show. So that would be fabulous. <laughs> Wonderful. Great. Wonderful. Now did you have more or was that the the, uh, the cherry I on have the top?
0: One more piece that I okay. wanted to share. okay. Right I talked about how EIBI was really between 25 and 40 hours a week. So does it matter if your child receives 25 versus 40? And the research shows us that yes, it does matter. Um, there was a study completed by Lindstedt and colleagues in 2016 that showed that children who received more treatment hours learned more. And there was no point of diminishing returns, meaning no point when it, when it um, stopped showing that increase. And they did some analyses, assessed other variables including age and parental involvement, and really found that the treatment hours alone, the number of treatment hours alone, accounted for a large portion of how much a kid progressed in treatment. So those hours, every single one, really does matter. Uh, you know,
1: this uh, we were just were talking about this on Wednesday with Dr. Grandpierre that I see this more and more as I'm talking to parents, and I'm always pushing parents and saying, "Do your full prescription, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Every child is different. You got a different. Do the full prescription." and uh, and there's this phrase that parents are saying to me, and it's like they all got together and had a meeting, or somebody's been feeding this to them where they go. I don't really see what the difference is between, and they'll fill in whatever the two numbers are, the number that they're doing versus the number, I don't really see what the difference is between 19 hours and 27 hours. Mm -hmm. It's really not that much of a difference. Uh, I don't see what the difference is between 10 and 20, or I don't see what the difference is between 15 and 35. And it makes my head come off and fly around the room uh, and spin several times. Because first of all, I just don't understand that logic. But then the other thing is that I always reference is compound interest. If you understand compound interest, you would not make this argument. But I guess a lot of people don't understand compound interest. So while you were talking, I Googled, because the way compound, do you understand compound interest? Yes. I didn't understand it. And somebody said to me, all right, and, and this is, they're saying to do it with 10 cents. I was always taught to do it with a dollar. But they say, okay, we're going we're gonna to play golf. And golf is eighteen rounds, and so let's let's have a little friendly game um, where we're each. And I was always taught that there was a dollar. I'll I'll bet a dollar, and if yeah, and you bet a dollar, and whoever wins the first round will will win the kitty. And then let's every time that we do it, every every round, let's double it. And so the question is, how much money do you have at the end of eighteen? And people go, it's like thirty six dollars. It's not. It's like a million dollars. Um. And the analogy that they have here is that you do it for $0.10 cents a whole. Ten, and, and at the end of 18 rounds, uh, it's $13,107 from $0.10. Cents because every time you, you're building on where you were before. And so if your child has 10 hours of ABA this week and they accomplish this much, and now you go to the next week and you, you're starting on the basis of that, Uh, and you get to build from there right and so now you're going to take that and you're going to go further over so if you start with 10 or you start with 20 and now you're adding this to the next week and that to the next week you end up in a different place a different place um so i feel like it makes me crazy karen when people don't recognize that more is better what do
0: you say to them I agree completely. And to add to what you're saying about the compound interest, uh, our kids with autism are not only having to learn the skills from, you know, in the in the four-year-old year, they not only have to learn a year's worth of skills, they have to learn more than a year's worth of skills to catch up with their typically developing peers. So they have to learn faster than their peers do to catch up. So that compounding interest is so important in helping them catch up.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it just makes me
0: crazy. And I
1: always reference, we had a mom about a year and a half ago that was, uh, she had twins. And she was going to bring them both to the center, and it was a Saturday session. And she came into the session, and one of the twins, their therapist, was there. And they started, and they did therapy, and they had an amazing day. And they, when she came to pick him up later on, he had learned the color red, and he had learned how to say excuse me, and you know all of these great things. That, and he was walking tall, and he was so excited that he'd learned these things. Well, the other twin, she brought them both at the same time, but the other twin, the therapist, had been in a car accident. We didn't know it at the time, but the therapist wasn't there. And, and then when we found out, it was like, oh, unfortunately, your, your therapist has had an accident, so we don't have, it's last minute, we don't have a replacement, and that child got sent home. Now, first of all, he was like, why don't I get to stay? Right. Right? Why don't I get to learn? But now she's got twins that on this day were in the same page, but now one gets therapy and one doesn't for just one day. Because mm-hmm. people cancel all the time, and they go, it's one day. What's one day going to be due? And so she picks up the other child. He now knows red and how to say excuse me. Well, that, the other child doesn't. And so now they go back the next day, and we've got therapists now. So the first child learns blue. But they're still teaching the first child red. Red, right. Right? And so it's and she said this mom was hysterical. She was like, Well, I I desperately need to catch this other child up. Mm -hmm. I can't have him be behind. We can never miss another day of therapy. Mm -hmm. And I and I said that that she realized that. Yeah, but I say this to parents all the time, like you don't have a litmus that shows you, look, this is what my child would have lost. Right. But if you cancel, you've, you've canceled the progress. Right, right. Makes me crazy, Karen. I agree. <laughs> and the research bears it all up. This is not just me making it no, up. This it's is not just solid anecdotal. research. Karen. Solid research. It's not anecdotal from parents. Karen's got the good stuff. Uh, yep. So was that the last study? Yes, that is everything I was sharing today. Well, so thank you, Karen. the, the takeaway, uh, very good. More is better. More is well more is better and intensive I, and early intensive and early and and we were saying on Wednesday with Dr. Grampy she was saying if your insurance has said that they're going to pay for it just do it right just do just do it take advantage of it because a lot of times parents go well we'll do it next year mm-hmm. next year will be more convenient but you can't get the insurance funding right next year. right um, because they will give you less than what they would you know if you don't do it they're going to give you less. So, um, Karen, thank you for backing up all these things that we say on the show so that people don't just think that Nancy and I are in left field. Of course, I love to do it. All right. Thank Uh, you, Karen. And if people have questions about this, where should they go, Karen? Um, They can. I mean, I can send you my email. I'm more than welcome for them to email me. Okay. So I think what people should do is, because we give out my email all the time, if you have questions about this or any other research question, write to me at s.penrod at autism-live.com. Specify that it's a research question, and then I will forward it to Karen so that Karen or someone on her team can address that for us, and then the next time they're on the show, they can talk about it. So s.penrod at autism-live.com dot com. Karen, thank you so much for being with thank us. Thank you, Karen. Thank you. Alright, bye-bye. Bye. So we're going to take a short break yeah. and then we're going to come
2: back come to back. finish out the show. Okay. So Stay with us. Welcome back. Welcome back. We were talking about voting a
1: couple of days ago. And uh, my family, we had to wait in line for two and a half hours. I was just telling Nancy that the first polling place that we went to, we meant to go earlier, but stuff happened. We couldn't do it. The first polling place we went to, there was a long line, and I was like, this is ridiculous. Uh, let's go to the and here in California you could vote at anyone you wanted to. And I was right. like, well let's go to the one closer to home. Right. And so we went to the one closer to home and the line was around the corner. And I said, let's go to another one. And Jim said that didn't work out. And I said, let's go to dinner and come back. And he goes, I, I have a feeling this is just going to be, be just deal. as bad. Yeah. And he said, let's let's put in the time, let's do it, and let's stand in the line two and a half hours. Two and a half hours. And and always, I since Jim was little, I mean, you know, he was just uh, a couple of months old and in the little baby carrier that you like put in your you know car. I took him voting with me every time. Uh, I, I took him when he was. Four, uh, and, like, couldn't stand and, you know, and, like, had the leash on him, and I was like, no, my child has to be here to see me vote. And we weren't supposed to take him with us, but, it you know, circumstances changed. He waited in line with us for two and a half hours to watch me vote, and he was like, you know... I'm really kind of done with this, Ma. <laughs> but he did, he watched me vote. But it was it was crazy. And and we so we got in line at like 4.30, and we got out at like 7.05. So it was just a little bit more than two and a half hours. We were starving. They were handing out free pizza in the line. Well, that's people, nice. And the, and the line, so we went and got dinner. We picked up dinner, and we were coming home. And it was very close to our house, just a couple of blocks away. And we went by. And I, I guess I wasn't thinking, I was like, what are all these people doing in the streets and why like the there was like double parking and and so by that point it was a good seven thirty and the polls were supposed to close at eight o'clock and it was like so this it was a school and so there was this very you know how like this the school sits on the corner, but it's a the entrance is a long way from the corner. So there's the line and then the line went back and then it went around the other block at seven thirty. That's amazing. I didn't have that long of a wait.
2: I had like twenty minutes. But you went earlier in the day. Yeah. Yeah.
1: See, I think that you know the, that expression that they always say, "Vote early." Yeah. Vote early and often is the joke. Um, but uh, you know, I, I I said two things to my husband. I, I said we will uh, in November we will vote early, and we will volunteer because I saw that they just didn't have enough volunteers. Mm. Um, that it could have moved faster if they right. had more volunteers and. You know, and I and I said to my son, and you will volunteer too, because I just I, I see that sometimes young people don't vote, and I just don't understand that. Right.
2: I'm right. Like, it looks like a lot of young people came out for this election. Uh, yeah.
1: And of course, here in California, it's it's always like it takes forever for results to come in, but because um, not quite as bad as Iowa. Right. Right. <laughs> I don't. Have we ever heard finals from Iowa yet? I don't. I don't know. I never I heard. I don't them. think. I don't think we've heard yeah. actual. I mean, I think there's some places where they said, oh, we'd have to redo it. Right. Uh, craziness, craziness, but um, anyway. Uh, yeah, that's what we were talking about. But, uh, hey, we're just about out of time here, and I want to talk yeah, a little talk bit about... Yeah, talk about what's coming of, up. Okay, so on Monday, we have Contessa Cooper. She is the creator of Unpuzzled Community, and she's going to tell us what that is. Very excited. Unpuzzled Community. Unpuzzled Community. Okay. Uh, and then on Tuesday, we have a Best Of episode that we're going to be showing to you. On Wednesday, Dr. Doreen will be here for Ask Dr. Doreen. Um, and then on Thursday... Uh, I th- I, it says here that we're doing an oldie but a goodie but I think we're pre-taping Thursday's show because I can't be here on Thursday but I actually think we're changing that too uh, Draven I think the uh, production meeting in the works so I think we're actually here on Thursday if I'm not mistaken and then on Friday we have Let's Talk Autism with Shannon okay. and Nancy with guests to be revealed so that will be next week and right. we'll be thrilled to be here uh, we're gearing up for April yeah there are so many events that are happening in April. It's uh, here in Los Angeles. It's tough because a lot of people have chosen to have their events on the same day, and that's just always the hardest thing I yeah. think for us is uh, is that um, there 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 are so many things in that first weekend. Um, all things that we love and that we're trying to... I mean, we just had Larry Hauser on the show yesterday talking about the Fullerton Cares mm-hmm. thing. But here locally in Los Angeles, Dina Kimmel's having her We Rock the Spectrum mm-hmm. walk mm-hmm. on that same day. Glorious Pies will be there. Yes working it's working? Is the he event? working yeah. it? So I guess I know where which event you're going to. Right, then. right. Uh, so and we love that event. And then the day before that is the Autism Partnership Conference that uh, Dr. Jonathan Tarbox is presenting at. I mean, there's just all these amazing things to do, and of course more things coming up as the month uh, comes along. I sort of love it. Uh, that there's all these things and there's all these opportunities. I just, I, I don't know, is it me? I sort of feel like it'd be better if we spread them out throughout the year. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's tough to do it, it all in one month. Well, and it feels like, yes, it's tough to do it all at once. And it feels like it's like, oh, this thing that we now have to get through, this gauntlet, instead of the warm fuzzy right. of, of the thing when you go to just one event, It's you get a boost and you go, okay, I can do this for another year. Um, so I don't know. Uh, there have been a lot of people who have said we don't want just a month for autism awareness. It's, it's a lot to cram into a month. It is a lot to cram into a month. But, uh, you know, in any case, we are about out of time here. So, or are we, Traven? Do I have more time or not? We're- Oh, we have five minutes. Five minutes? We have five minutes. We're what do you want excited. to talk about? Well, uh, you know, I, since we were talking about this with Karen Nolte, um, I would love to go through, we, we had a theme a couple of weeks ago uh, that was the myths of autism. Uh, they, the myths? The myths of ABA. Okay. That, um, yeah, that so many people think, oh, it's this or it's that or it's whatever. And I think one of the big uh, myths is that you, you know, Uh, you can just do 15 hours when your prescription is 20 and then it's all the same. So, but what are some things that you've heard people say about, uh, ABA over the years of people who aren't doing it? People who aren't doing it? Yeah. Like I, um, it makes me crazy, full on crazy when somebody, uh, writes into us, not that they're making me crazy, but the people who talk to them will say to parents, um, you know, your child's too high-functioning. They just, you know, you don't want to bother doing ABA because your child, your, your three- or four-year-old is so high-functioning, don't bother doing ABA. That makes me go nuts because that's criminal. First of all, like, ABA has shown to be so wildly effective with those kiddos that it's... And, and at that, that time can never be quite made up later on, and it's just criminal when people are giving bad advice for that. But then there's the opposite where people will say, you know what, your child is too profoundly affected. ABA is not going to help them. I've heard that. Oh, it just makes me sad yeah.
2: that the child is where they're going to be, and they're going to have the same outcome anyway,
1: right? So regardless don't, don't of whether put whether them through ABA. that frustrating right. thing, and you know, um, and and they'll expect you know these from you and from your child and you know just accept that your child is where you're at and look I believe in acceptance I absolutely believe in acceptance but it's this thing of we send our kids to school because we expect that they're all going to learn and grow and when people say to you you know oh accept where your child is and don't give them the best teaching that there is I believe that that boils down to you know you should give up. And we know that that is not the truth for anybody, that every single kiddo makes some progress. Right. Everybody's not making the same progress. Nobody is saying that, but all, kids make some progress. And I remember years ago watching um, a video that was put out uh, by the New England... It's like the New England Children's Autism something. I'm messing up the name of it. But it showed... Um, Kids who had participated in the original LOVAS study Uh that Karen was just talking about. And it showed them years in the future. So they were teenagers. And it showed three specific kids. And because there were three specific outcomes of the LOVAS study. There was a group of kids who made so much progress that you couldn't tell them Uh, from their neurotypical peers right then there was the group of kids that were in the middle that made a tremendous amount of progress you could still tell that they uh, were on the spectrum because they still needed some support but their lives were greatly enhanced um, and that they could you know work jobs and and have friends and so on and so forth and then there was the third group of kids who were um, had comorbidities which meant that they had more than one diagnosis so maybe they had autism and down syndrome uh-huh. or in each in each case in that third group they had a diagnosis of something else in addition to autism and those kids still made tremendous progress the most progress that they made was in the adaptive area that they uh, were able to work jobs Um, they were able to take care of themselves, dress themselves. They were able to have functional communication. Um, they didn't have challenging behaviors anymore. They weren't throwing tantrums. They were a part of society and a working part of society Uh that I remember there was. So there were, they, they showed three kids and, um, with the two kids, they showed them with their neurotypical peers and said, "Try to pick out which one is the car, the, the the kid that had ABA. Pick out." And so there was one group of uh, three boys that were working out in in a gym. And they didn't show us their faces, but we got to hear their conversation and see everything that they did. And they said, can you pick out which is the kid who had the diagnosis of autism and was nonverbal? And I couldn't pick out the kid. Really? I couldn't tell which one. Then they had two boys that were a little bit younger that were probably like 14, 15 years old that were hanging out together and playing and talking. And you got to see their faces. I couldn't pick out which one was on the autism spectrum. And then they showed a third person who was in that category of the co and they interviewed both him and his mother. And they said to the mother, you know, people have made the argument that because there are still some kids who don't make that tremendous progress, that maybe ABA is not that effective. And she was like, are you out of your mind? Like, they were talking about institutionalizing him, and now, like... You know, uh, he's probably going to live with us or live in some sort of assisted living his whole life, but I know he's going to be okay because right. he can say, that person hit me. Right. Um, he can set the dinner table. Right. He toilets himself. He, you know, he his chores... Are you know and and they showed him setting the dinner table and she, and the pride that he took in setting and she was like if you think that that's not a big deal you don't understand where we were at before right right and my child was on the floor hitting his head on the floor and not able to tell me I would like more juice please mm-hmm. um, and and she was like you you know you totally missed the boat if you don't think that this is uh, something that's really really important and that really struck me um, so I'm so mad when people say oh this kid is too high functioning or this kid is Right.
2: And I hear from some parents they tried APA and it wasn't Mm. for us.
1: Yeah, It just
2: was not, it was too restrictive, it was too robotic, made their kids into a robot. And what do you say to that? I say that they didn't give it enough of a chance if they say it just wasn't for us.
1: And I try to be respectful uh, of people and and like what I want to say is um, we all went through the phase of thinking, I don't know if I can do this. Right. Every single one of us went through that phase. But you gotta, you got to ride that out. That's what I want to say. I don't want to make parents feel bad about the choices that they've made. And I don't want to come off like a know-it-all. So uh, often I'll go, oh, well, you know, uh, different strokes for different folks. But if I see a parent who's in the middle of it and trying to decide, I go, for heaven's sake, don't do that. And what I say to them is, go, go to an autism event, and meet all of the kids and ask the families, what did you do? And you'll see in an autism event that there's the spectrum, right? There are the kids who are you know doing really well and that are working and doing all these other things and then there are the we've been to autism walks right where they have people who are 25 years old and they're in a harness attached to a tether mm-hmm. so that they won't escape a 25 year old right right and but ask the parents what did you do what worked what didn't work talked like go find the scenario Go, you know, look at a, a kid who is like your kid in, uh, in some aspect and say, what did you do? That's what we did uh, years and years and years ago when we were in the tough. And I was like, I don't know, this ABA thing is a little bit hard. I don't know if we're cut out for it. Um, and I'm not a follower. You know, I like to I'm like, well, let's change it a little. Like, right, you know, right. I want to do it my way. I'm a little bit bossy. Um, but I remember Bonnie Yates had an event. I don't know if you were at this because I don't think I knew you then. Uh, Jem was still in an umbrella stroller. Uh-huh. that's how little he was. Um, but she had an event where it was, she was called Stories of Recovery. And she had a panel of 10 parents whose kids had recovered, and that's the word that they used and some people still use, that they no longer qualified for an autism diagnosis. They had at one point and no longer did. And so it was 10 parents whose kids were doing remarkably well. That's all I cared about. And they went down the line and said, what did you do? What did you do? And and it was fascinating. But every single parent said ABA. That's the only thing that they all agreed on. One parent said, I did ABA and we homeschooled. And another parent said, I did ABA and we did biolot. Biomedical. biomedical. And another parent said, you know, "We, we did ABA and we had a great OT and he was in a sports program. And another parent said, you know, we sent him to a tutor, but we did ABA. You know, the one thing in common was that they all had done ABA intensively. All of them. And for me, that was it. Right. I was like, Done. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm good. Mm -hmm. Um, because most of their kids were either in college or going to college or, you know, and I, and I was like, I want to, I want to be, I want to sit with those people and I'm lucky because I get to sit with those people and that is not the case for everybody. Right. Right. And I, and I hear that, but, um, but I still go back to that mom who was like, no, the fact that he can toilet himself and set the table, you, Big don't, know, you don't know where we were. Right, right. So anyway, now I've talked through Now time. we're out of time. We're out of time. Okay. Uh, all right, there's the soapbox. Uh, <laughs> love you guys. Hope you guys have a great weekend. Uh, we'll see you on Monday. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me. And yourselves a hug from me. Bye-bye for Bye-bye. now. Bye-bye.